the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, on Fridays, we take a look at the week in headlines, and today will be no different. From there, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. I say we because James Blend will join me to do that. If you're in Seattle, we will bid you a fond farewell. But in Portland, the Christian outlook will come up in our second hour. So all of that is the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Let's get right into the week in headlines. Well, we learned this week that Republican leaders on three top House committees probing an environmental group with ties to the Chinese Communist Party over its funding of U.S. climate initiatives got underway. The House Energy and Commerce uh, Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers out of Washington, Science, Space and Technology Chair Frank Lucas of Oklahoma, and National Resource Chair Bruce Westerman of Arkansas, all Republicans, penned a letter to the Energy Foundation CEO, President Ji Xiao, informing him of their investigation into his organization. Well, the letter came following a report that uncovered $3.8 million in donations to energy foundations sent to American climate groups. China could greatly improve its economic and geopolitical positions should renewable energy resources use and electrification increases in the United States. China dominates global renewable energy product supply chains, such as those for batteries, solar panels and electrolyzers. The Republicans wrote to Chow, noting the director of national intelligence findings last year that China's green energy dominance could pose a significant threat to the West. Well, the White House is considering taking over the Texas National Guard as the beef between the Texas governor and the White House has escalated as the battle between the federal government and Texas law enforcement continues in the Lone Star State. The White House earlier this week issued a new threat against the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, as he works to stop the uh, illegal immigration invasion of the southern border with Mexico. For two years, through Operation Lone Star, the governor of uh, Texas... Texas Abbott uh, has deployed the Texas National Guard to build barriers, including miles of fencing and uh, razor wire to keep illegal immigrants out. The Biden administration took them to court, which led to the Supreme Court uh, ruling that the Border Control agents have the authority to cut through that wire. Well, the back and forth continues, but the governor of uh, Texas is defiant and says he will not bow even to the Supreme Court's um, directive. President Biden sent a war powers notification to Congress this week after the Senate questioned his authority. Meanwhile, the Department of Defense denies we are at war. On Wednesday, the Biden administration notified Congress after the U.S. and the U.K. conducted another round of military strikes against the Houthis in Yemen in response to their firing missiles at U.S. and commercial vessels in the Red Sea since October. A group of bipartisan lawmakers sent the White House a letter questioning the authority of the president to deploy troops against the Houthi rebels. Just a foreign policy points out that senators question the administration's Article II self-defense claims as most vessels transiting through 
through the Red Sea are not U.S. ships. They ask, does your administration believe there is legal rationale for a president to unilaterally um, uh, direct U.S. military action to defend ships for foreign nations? The uh, question yet to be answered directly. Former President Trump has been hit with a massive defamation verdict this week. A nine-person jury in New York handed E. Jean Carroll an $83.3 million damages verdict in her second defamation case against the former president. That is 16 times more than the defamation civil trial, wherein a jury found Trump guilty and awarded Carroll $5 million in damages last May. Frustrated by the decision, as you might imagine, the former president continued to publicly disparage Carol, specifically on the campaign trail. So she sued again, though she sought only $10 million in damages. She got considerably more. In other news, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden is uh, that rarest of creatures. He actually, actually cares about the surveillance state run amok. He sits on the Senate Intelligence Committee as accusing the uh, highly secretive National Security Agency of buying Americans' Internet browsing information from commercial data brokers without warrants. And he has the receipts to prove it. As it was reported, NSA Director Paul Nakazone, he provided newly unclassified documents to the senator, revealing that the agency buys Americans' data, including information about the websites they visit, and the apps they use. The letter is dated December 11th, but was only made public on Thursday of last week. In other news, the Senate immigration deal would allow nearly two million uh, border crossings without legal warrant. Uh, Documents show Snopes reversed its fact check, claiming that uh, Joe Biden didn't wear his hat backwards. That was a pretty big deal this past week. Was the president's hat on straight or not? DHS reports the worst border numbers in our nation's history, and the Georgia Senate approved an investigation of D.A. Willis amid accusations of unprofessional relationship with a colleague. You've uh, probably heard more on that than I care to delve into. In other news, a former top Obama administration official's past criticism of President Biden's foreign policy failures has resurfaced in the wake of an attack on a U.S. military outpost in Jordan that tragically took the lives of three American soldiers over the weekend. That official, former Defense Secretary Robert Gates, first expressed his displeasure with the foreign policy positions of the administration in a 2014 memoir titled Duty, Memoirs of a Secretary of War writing that although Biden was a man of integrity, he believed the former senator and then vice president had been wrong on, this is a quote, been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades, end quote. Gates doubled down on those claims when asked about his book during a 2021 interview on CBS 60 Minutes, saying, I think he's gotten a lot wrong. He then pointed to what he said was Biden's opposition to every one of Ronald Reagan's military programs to contest the Soviet Union, the first Gulf War, and to their differences concerning the war in Afghanistan. Gates also said he believed Biden made a mistake in the way he handled the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan that same year. First appointed by former President George W. Bush in 2006, Gates was the sole cabinet member to remain in his post after Obama took office in 2009. He stepped down from that role in June of 2011. Prior to his appointment, he served as the director of the CIA and as deputy national security advisor to former President George Herbert Walker Bush. Well, valiant efforts just days after three American soldiers were killed in Iranian uh, by Iranian proxies. Representative Claudia Tenney 
nominated former President Trump for a Nobel Peace Prize, citing his historic Abraham Accords Treaty. Donald Trump was instrumental in facilitating the first new peace agreement in the Middle East in almost 30 years, she wrote. Uh, For decades, bureaucrats, foreign policy professionals and international organizations insisted that additional Middle East peace agreements were impossible without a resolution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. President Trump proved that to be false, end quote. Well, the Nobel Peace Prize acknowledged the peace accord between Israel and Egypt in 1978, as well as the Oslo Accords in 1994. However, there has been no recognition for Trump's role in brokering an agreement between Israel and four of its Arab neighbors uh, aimed at normalizing diplomatic and economic relations between the nations. Denny wrote the valiant efforts by President Trump in creating the Abraham Accords were unprecedented and continue uh, to go unrecognized by the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, underscoring the need for his nomination today. Well, now more than ever, she went on to say when Joe Biden's weak leadership on the international stage is threatening our country's safe safety and security, we must recognize Trump for his strong leadership and his efforts to achieve world peace. I am honored to nominate former President Donald Trump today and am eager for him to receive the recognition he deserves, she said. Trump, the current frontrunner to be the Republican presidential nominee, has been nominated for the Abraham Accords peace agreement several times, but didn't receive the award during his presidency. In 2020, he was first nominated by the uh, by Christian Tybring, a member of the Norwegian uh, a parliament. But it uh, it was not recognized by the uh, by the committee. Well, bankers are catching on with average Americans. If, you, uh, if you're trying to prepare for a devastating natural disaster, potential nuclear warfare, or blooming, or rather looming doomsday, it turns out you don't have to be a billionaire or millionaire to do something about it. Our primary customers, according to the USA Bunker Company, are average Americans, not just wealthy people. He says they're pretty normal, working-class, down-to-earth people that just want some extra layers of protection. Well, based in Akron, Ohio, the building since uh, 2012, Stump's veterans-owned company offers installation of simple underground bunkers. Oh, they started about $21,000, so if you're looking for one, you might want to give them a call. USA Bunker Company. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we take a look at the week in headlines. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, the week in headlines. Well, this week, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin resumed working at the Pentagon. On Monday, the Defense Secretary returned to the Pentagon for the first time since his hospitalization for complications following a procedure to treat prostate cancer. The 70-year-old briefly addressed his health situation during a meeting with NATO Secretary General uh, Jens Stoltenberg with cameras on the uh, in the room to capture the remarks. At this important time, I am glad to be back at the Pentagon. I feel good and am recovering well, but still recovering. And I appreciate all the good wishes that I have received thus far, Austin said. He didn't acknowledge calls for his resignation, but simply put his nose to the grindstone and be resumed working. Secretary of Defense Austin said, let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan. He went on to say the president and I will not tolerate attacks on U.S. forces. Well, we have yet to see what the response will be demonstrating that lack of tolerance. President Joe Biden is looking to garner Taylor Swift's endorsement. Well, the president's reelection campaign is working to get the endorsement of the pop singer to help drive young voters to the polls in 2024. If 
Apparently, it's just as simple as that. While Biden's reelection team works to focus its messaging around former President Donald Trump, who is likely to become the Republican presidential nominee, the campaign is... um, also focused on working with social media influencers and celebrities to push Biden's message. On the list of potential endorsements is Taylor Swift, who endorsed Biden in 2020 and has about 279 million followers on Instagram. You have almost that many, don't you, James, on uh, Instagram? Yeah. Well, Newsweek points out that exclusive polling conducted for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton Strategies found that 18 percent of voters say they're more likely or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate endorsed by Swift. Huh. Apparently it is just that simple. 17 percent said that they would be less likely to vote for a Swift backed candidate. Uh, Will Taylor uh, Swift, um, or rather, will Taylor Swift swing the 2024 election? It's an open question, but it's a sad commentary when a, um, a singer by simply saying, I like that guy will sway a significant percentage of the uh, electorate. OK, me, too. One would like to think it goes a little deeper than that, but I could be wrong. Well, Rip Curl brand has dropped soul surfer Bethany Hamilton to promote a trans surfer. Well, last year, Bethany Hamilton made headlines when she came out against policies allowing biological male surfers who think they're trans women to compete against biological women for physical reasons. In her statement, she threatened to boycott the World Surf League over the policies. Hamilton, who has surfed since she was eight, grew up in Hawaii and gained worldwide attention after she... Uh, returned to her sport after losing her arm in a shark attack when she was 13 years old. The 2011 movie Soul Surfer is based on her life. Love that movie, by the way. Hamilton's stance on transgender athletes caused Rip Curl to sever ties with her. Last week, Sasha Lowerson, 44, the transgender surfer, Reed Male, was featured on the company's Instagram profile as part of the brand's Meet the Local Heroes of Western Australia campaign. Several women's sports advocates, including Riley Gaines, sounded off about the company's decision to drop Hamilton and promote Lowerson. In other words, drop the girl, promote the boy. Shortly after, Rip Curl reportedly removed the post about Lowerson. Rip Curl suddenly knows what a woman is, at least when they're criticized. They've also since deleted all posts promoting a male surfer posing as a woman after dropping Bethany Hamilton. They want you to forget about their contempt for women, but don't, she advised. Well, in other news, Ford announced its 2023 EV fleet will get an AM radio capability. There was a big brouhaha about that. Last May, Ford announced it would continue to offer AM radio to drivers of two of its 2023 electric vehicles, despite saying earlier they were ditching AM. For any owners of Ford EVs without AM broadcast capability, we'll offer a software update. Uh, The CEO, Jim Farley, said the carmaker tells Inside Radio they've already started offering the update and will continue in stages across the nation. He said last year that Ford decided to include AM on all 2024 Ford and Lincoln motor vehicles after speaking with policy leaders about the importance of AM broadcast radio as part of the emergency alert system. While a significant move for broadcasters as they work to convince other car makers to do the same, Ford is so far uh, not committing to AM beyond the current model year. We'll see what happens next. Well, Denver is looking to evict illegal migrants beginning in February. 
the fifth to be more precise. Nearly 40,000 have arrived in Denver over the past year, making a city with a population of just over 710,000 the top destination per capita for nearly uh, rather newly arriving migrants crossing the U.S. southern border and traveling north in buses from Texas. The influx is taking a toll on the city's public safety net, as is the case all across the country. Uh, the um, Starting on the 5th of February, Denver will limit the number of days migrants can stay in shelters and send those who exceed their stay out onto the streets. In addition, the city's safety net hospital, Denver Health, is reportedly asking the federal government for aid covering some $10 million in unpaid medical bills due to migrants in the country illegally. Reportedly, nearly 3,000 migrant children, mostly from Venezuela, have enrolled in the Denver public school system since July. One school principal told the outlet that he receives uh, five to ten new immigrant students per week. They are overwhelmed. Well, good news. West Virginia will soon join four other states and officially recognize what a woman is. Just for the record, I am a woman. James Blend, who happens to be on the other side of the glass, is not. We're certain of it. House Bill 5243, uh, for which uh, Republican Governor Jim Justice has expressed his support, will define the terms male and female based solely upon biological sex recognized at birth. Expected to easily pass West Virginia's House and Senate, the legislation would see the Mountain State become the fifth state to pass the so-called Women's Bill of Rights. The bill is intended to prevent males from infringing on female-only spaces, such as bathrooms and locker rooms, as well as competing in women's sports. Well, yay. Ilhan Omar uh, says she's a Somalian nationalist who uses her position in the U.S. Congress to protect Somalia's interests. Hmm. Some are suggesting she should do that from Somalia. An ex-IRS contractor has been sentenced to five years for leaking former President Trump's tax returns. And Associate Justice Sotomayor, she admits that every conservative Supreme Court victory traumatizes her. Some are suggesting she might want to consider stepping down for her health's sake. UPS is planning to cut 12,000 jobs uh, five months after agreeing to a new labor deal. Well, apparently they just can't afford to continue as is. Well, the House Homeland Security Committee on Tuesday approved along party lines two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, teeing up a floor vote as early as next week to impeach the embattled Biden official. The committee voted along party lines to approve the two impeachment articles, which accuse Mayorkas of having repeatedly violated laws enacted by Congress regarding immigration and border security and of having made false statements to Congress that the border is secure and closed and that DHS is in operational control of the border. Meanwhile, the Illinois State Board of Elections ruled on Tuesday that Donald Trump could remain on the state's primary ballot, delivering the former president a key victory in a Democratic stronghold. The eight-member state board, which includes four Republicans and four Democrats, made that decision in a unanimous vote. Illinois' election board on Tuesday was considering whether to keep the, the uh, former president on the state's primary ballot after a recommendation that he be removed over the Constitution's uh, insurrection provision. Six pro-life activists are facing 11 years in prison. A jury is deliberating uh, whether or not that will be the case. Uh, the jury is set to deliberate on the uh, fate of these pro-lifers who face uh, significant time in prison after being accused by the Department of Justice for a conspiracy against rights over a peaceful protest at a Tennessee abortion facility in March of 2021. 
New York City police officers were attacked and beaten by illegal immigrants. If only someone had warned us that when uh, uh, people come across the border, that, that they're not all sending their best. In fact, some reminded us of Fidel Castro sending prisoners into the United States for the very purpose that one can imagine. Is that the case here among those uh, peaceful uh, immigrants who have come, they're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with them. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. If only uh, one uh, Border Patrol agent uh, pointed out on Saturday, the wreckage of the open border revealed itself to two New York City police officers near Times Square as they tried to disperse a crowd of illegals. As the New York Post reported, the footage shows an NYPD officer and lieutenant initially telling the migrants to move along. It's about 8.30 p.m. on Saturday in West 42nd Street in Manhattan before things quickly got rowdy as a scuffle broke out between the cops and a suspected, a suspect rather, who wrestled uh, them to the ground. There were four individuals involved. They were all apprehended but immediately released. So no disincentive at all. Energy drinks could pose a risk to young brains, according to new research. Those who consumed energy drinks, which are intended to boost energy through the use of caffeine or other stimulants, were shown to have a higher risk of mental health issues, including attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, depression, anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to switch gears here in just a moment and take a look at the lighter side of the news. So stay with us. We'll be back momentarily. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second half of the first hour of The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend joins us to help us walk through the lighter side of the news. Go, James. Walk indeed. Or jog, perhaps. Brisk, perhaps. Perhaps. All right, let's begin with a woman who returned a couch to Costco after two years, and it sparked a viral reaction to the store's generous return policy. Two years. And the reason given? We don't like it anymore. Well, a viral video of a Costco customer returning a couch purchased over two years ago, I think it was two and a half years, sparked online discussion about the wholesale retailer's return policy and whether customers are abusing it. Well, a woman named Jackie shared she bought a couch from Costco over two and a half years ago in a video posted last week to TikTok that's attracted nearly three million views. She admits she was nervous to return the large item to the warehouse store and felt intimidated by other shoppers staring at her while waiting in line. But who cares? Return it. They have an awesome return policy, she told her followers. Um, Buy your furniture from Costco, girl. You can return it when you don't like it anymore. Well, Jackie said she didn't have the receipt for the couch anymore. She didn't even have the receipt, but the employee was able to locate the order on their store's computer. She explained that she was returning the couch because her family didn't like the color anymore. And Costco gave her a full refund for the purchase. It worked, she happily shared. Well, Costco has a 100% satisfaction guarantee return policy with few restrictions. That may be changing in the future. Simply bring the, the product to any Costco warehouse and our member services team will be happy to assist you. It helps if you have a receipt or original product packaging, but it may not be necessary to process your return, their policy states. Wow. Their policy doesn't say that uh, items must be returned in a certain time frame or in a certain condition for most merchandise. There are exceptions. Well, that's probably good. Electronics, jewelry, cigarettes, alcohol, car tires and batteries, airline tickets, gold and special order items. 
Nothing about couches. Well, the couch return video drew some backlash on TikTok, with some Costco customers berating the woman for taking advantage of the policy. That's just wrong. One woman reacted, you use something and you loved it with your kids and your animals and your whole family. And you used it for two and a half years. And just because there's a little loophole in this store policy, you think that it's morally right to take the couch back and get a full, full refund for it for a used item that there was nothing wrong with. Her reaction video drew about 15,000 comments and nearly two million views. Top commenters seem to agree this was an abuse of the liberal store return policy. James, your thought? Oh, it's absolutely an abuse. I mean, that's, I mean, now if you discover, maybe after that long, if you discover that there was a manufacturer defect that you've just become aware of, maybe, maybe, especially if it's safety related, but yeah, well, that would be something different. It would be something different. The that's the is, only thing I could think of. I mean, simply not liking the product yeah, anymore. They used it. They loved it. They got tired of it. I could empty out my house with stuff that I'm a little bit tired of. I think I'll take it back. It's like, well, what have I gotten from Costco that I just don't want anymore? Exactly. Uh, I wouldn't do that. But boy, it, it, it makes you think. Well, it's a little bit heartening to know that a lot of people thought this was a an abuse of a system that Costco, well, they put in place, so they have to live up to it. But my guess is if this were to happen, and maybe it already does, too often, if it's abused like this too often, they might adjust that policy just a bit. I would hope so. I mean, otherwise, uh, they're going to have some issues with their business model. Yeah, I'm thinking that's a possibility. Although the volume that they uh, do may make it possible for them to absorb even a couch two and a half years old. Apparently. Hmm. Well, the Georgia family said that they had to evacuate their home when it became infested by a colony of bats. They moved from Chicago to a rental home in Savannah's Ardsley Park neighborhood less than a year ago, and they encountered their first bat on the 18th of January. Just one bat. Oh, a bat. We can live with that. We're like, Savannah has many bats, so it's fine. Nothing's wrong. Nothing to see here. Well, Grant said several more bat encounters occurred in the ensuing days, and the family soon discovered the house was infested with the flying animals. No one expects this. Like, I have never seen a bat except for at the zoo, she said. And there was another one in the vent. And that's when we were like, I'm done. They weren't done. They were just like, I'm done. Anyway, I can't do this anymore. Something is seriously wrong with this house. End quote. Well, Grant said exterminators who viewed the home told her the situation is worse than anything they had ever seen. Fortunately, um, unfortunately, the house was not from Costco. There was nothing that could be done there. The couple and their two children, ages two and eight months, are now staying with a neighbor, and they received rabies shots on the recommendation of the Coastal Health District. They're attempting to raise money to relocate. The city of Savannah issued a code ordinance violation and posted it to the property. A city spokesperson said code enforcement officials are working together with the landlord to try to resolve the bat issue. My understanding is the shots, these rabies shots are painful. Yeah, that's. I don't think there's just one of them. I think yeah, it's a series, a series over time and that they're all pretty painful. Yeah, I think so, too. Hmm. It's well, a good we- thing they didn't have a belfry, though. I mean, don't those attract bats? Well, I don't know if they did or not. It's a thought. Yeah, it's a good question. Researchers in Canada are hoping to identify a shipwreck that washed up in southwestern Newfoundland and appears to be from the 1800. Literally just came to the surface. Residents near J.T. Cheeseman Provincial Park discover the large chunk of an old wooden hull in the shallow waters near Cape Ray, as well as some timbers that washed up on the sand. 
Uh, the owner of a photography uh, shop heard about the unusual scene and visited the shore so that he could take some drone video, which he posted to YouTube. They're rather interesting. It's a lot bigger than what I thought it would be. Uh, he said, and I think uh, what we uh, what we can see is only half of it because it looks like it was broken off. So half of it has come ashore, but it's enough of it that you can see what the ship would have looked like. The president of the Shipwreck Preservation Society of Newfoundland and Labrador viewed the uh, video, said it's just a wild guess right now. But from looking at photos and drone images, it's probably from the 1800s. He is planning to visit the wreckage in person with a team from the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts and Recreational Provincial Archaeology office. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Uh, if it's oak or beech or hardwood species like that, it will tell us uh, it wasn't made here in Newfoundland and was probably made over in Europe somewhere. There are databases of shipwrecks so we can search for what was recorded as being lost around Cape Ray. Kind of an interesting undertaking. Purchase said the shipwreck was uh, likely buried in over a century before being unearthed by storms, including last year's Hurricane Fiona. He said this month's winter storms likely gave the wreckage a final push toward the shore. Provincial archaeologist Jamie Brake, he urged residents who visit the park to view the shipwreck, but not to attempt to take home any souvenirs. Our chances of uh, learning something from this is always higher if it's in good condition and as intact as possible. So if if somebody from Labrador goes to get it the boat yes it does make them a labrador Labrador retriever retriever. okay i had to ask (laughs) no you didn't you didn't have to ask i you know it it was right there it was yeah it was just bright and shiny and said (laughs) come see me see me and you did And and it was pretty clever i thought so yeah Minnesota's um, name a snowplow contest winners can't resist nods to Taylor Swift and Dolly Parton. How would you like to have a snowplow named after you? Well, Minnesota now has 35 named snowplows and its hardworking fleet. Minnesotans have voted and the results are in. We'll tell you more about that in just a few moments. But James tells me we got to take a break. And what James says goes. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me as we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. Well, just before the break, I mentioned that Minnesota now has 35 named snowplows in its hardworking fleet. Minnesotans have voted and the results are in. The eight names chosen for the Minnesota Department of Transportation's snowplows are... Taylor uh, Taylor Drift, uh, Bayon Slay, Dolly Plowton, Clark W. Blizzwald. One of my, I have no idea what it's supposed to mean. I, I can't even pronounce it. You're Killing Me Squalls, Barbie's Dream Plow, and Fast and Flurious. Now, let me spell this one, James. You see if you can figure it out. W-A-I-P-A-H-I-N-T-E. Way, I I don't know. W-A-I-P-A-H-I-N-T-E. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. 
I'm sure it means something. It's, it's late on a Friday. Don't expect the brain to be fully functioning here. <laughs> well, Governor Tim Walz, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and the Minnesota Department of Transportation announced the winners on Tuesday. More than 32,000 people voted in this year's Name the Snowplow contest from the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Whether it's a November election or a snowplow naming contest, you can count on Minnesotans to turn out and vote. Uh, Walls uh, at the event announced... Uh, while giving the names. Thank you to the Minnesotans who submitted creative names and voted for their favorites, he said. And a big thank you to our snowplow drivers who are always ready to keep our roads safe and help us get to work, school, and back home safely. So, pretty cool. The most popular name was Taylor Drift, which received 12,000 votes. Um, It will be stationed uh, at one location in northwest Minnesota. The second place was Clark W. Blizzwald, uh, which will be found uh, clearing the streets of another district central to the uh, the state with 6,667 votes. And completing the top three is Dolly Plowton, uh, which received 6,315 votes. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, a three-year-old boy climbed into a claw machine in Queensland, Australia, and ended up, well, needing to be rescued by police. I think I've always wanted to get inside one of those machines and just wallow in whatever is in there. In this case, it was a Hello Kitty claw machine. The Queensland Police Service said in a Facebook post that the boy named Ethan had climbed into the claw machine filled with Hello Kitty plush toys through the prize chute and was unable to find his way back out again. A video accompanying the post shows Ethan's parents directing him to a back corner of the machine and telling him to cover his eyes so officers could shatter the glass pane. Ethan was then lifted out of the machine and returned to his family uninjured. An officer can be heard saying, you want a prize? Which one do you want? I'm not sure that was the right thing to do. Is that an incentive to do it again? Well, the post said the toddler played his part of the game beautifully. The Facebook post gave the final score of the encounter. Ethan and the police won. Claw machine zero. What they don't mention in the article is that, of course, the, you know, the parents spent like 50 bucks trying to get the kid out yeah, before probably. they called the police. You know. Probably. Probably. Oh, honey, you missed. <laughs> it no, was that so one. close. That one. An 11-year-old boy from Virginia earned a Guinness World Record for the most ollies on a fingerboard in one minute. I have no idea. Let me try to explain. Julian Kuzma of Chesapeake said he was introduced to fingerboards, which is miniature skateboards designed to be manipulated by the fingers by a friend and some YouTube videos. So if you want to know more about it, go to YouTube. I started trying to do tricks on them and picked it up pretty quickly, he says, speaking to Guinness. I would fingerboard just about everywhere I would go, at school, during lunch, at home, and even when my mom forced me to go shopping with her and my my sister. Well, he decided to challenge the Guinness world record for the most ollies on a fingerboard in one minute. Uh, and Ollie is a trick where all four wheels of the of the board leave the ground and come back down to land. Okay. Well, the 11 year old successfully broke the record with 128 Ollies in one minute. He said he's considering taking on more fingerboarding records in the future. It's nice to have something to strive for. I I guess I wouldn't suggest anybody strive for that. <laughs> But it's nice to have something to strive for. Well, a 46-year-old Indian woman who hasn't had a haircut since she was 14 earned a world record when her tremendous tresses were measured at 7 feet 9 inches long. Mirta something from Uttar Pradesh, 
who was awarded the Guinness World Records title for longest hair on a living person, as if they would know that's the case. Have they measured every person living's hair? She said she was inspired by the long hairstyle sported by Hindi actress from the 1980s. In Indian culture, goddess traditionally have long hair. She wanted to look like that. She said she had no intention of cutting her hair anytime soon. I will take care of my hair as long as I can, no pun intended. I will never cut my hair because my life is in my hair. Something of a Samson. I want my hair to grow more and see how long I can manage it. Well, she certainly has that prerogative. I mean, you know, I worked for Rapunzel. It will profit her nothing, but have at it. Yeah. Let your follicles go free. Saves you money on haircuts. There you go. A South Korean team, uh, team's dog-like hound. A South Korean team's dog-like Hound was dubbed the fastest robot on four legs when it traversed the distance of 328 feet in 19.87 seconds. The Dynamic Robot Control and Design Laboratory in the Korean Advanced Institute of Science and Technology in the South Korean area developed the Hound robot and Guinness World Records confirmed it broke the record for running at least 100 meters by a quadruple, uh, a quadruped, uh, let's see, quadrupedal I think that's right. Quadrupedal robot. Hound's average speed is 11.26 miles um, per hour during the attempt. In simulation, it can accelerate to even higher speeds, but we haven't tested it in real world yet, according to the designer. People breaking records right and left. Well, a Florida family made a shocking discovery on their houseboat, a snake hiding in a a sock drawer. The snake hiding in a sock drawer. I'm telling you, they're everywhere. They just keep popping up. The family said that they were on their boat near um, Riviera Beach when they opened a sock drawer and found a yellow eastern rat snake looking back at them. Family members theorized the snake must have found its way onto the boat while seeking shelter from severe weather. A friend enlisted to capture the snake ended up with a bite on his hand, but the injury was not serious, and eastern rat snakes are not venomous. The snake was relocated to its natural habitat, which for my thing is in a cage somewhere far, far away. Snakes have been known to seek shelter indoors in the past, with serpent surprises being discovered in locations including bathrooms, train cars, kitchens, hotel rooms, and office drawers. Basically, you're safe nowhere. (laughs) Exactly. Note to self. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't ride a train. Stop cooking. Don't stay in a hotel and uh, leave your office drawers closed. I mean, on the plus side, you definitely won't encounter a snake then because, well, you know, very quickly you'll be dead. But, you know, (laughs) other than that. From shock, most likely. Well, I mean, you can't go to the bathroom. You can't eat food. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's... Survivability is definitely at a minimum. Well, that's probably true. Well, workers at a British recycling center reunited a resident with a gold ring he dropped along with his recycling bottles. The um, FCC recycling said the resident was recycling glass at one of the organization's bottle banks after a community event uh, when his gold ring fell off his finger. The group said the staff at the uh, recycling center sifted through the glass bottles until they were able to reunite the ring with its owner. But wait, there's more. In South Carolina, they sifted through hundreds of pounds of recycling to find the white gold ring uh, wedding band of a woman from South Carolina. She's rejoicing after her diamond ring was recovered from a recycling plant after she accidentally threw it away over the weekend. Now, she wasn't even there at the plant, but somehow they were able to find it within the recycling. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a happy, happy end. One more story, and then we'll go to break. A 285-year-old lemon 
found in the back of an old cabinet drawer, was auctioned for $1,780 in England. I'm looking for old produce right now. Uh, The auctioneers said a 19th century cabinet was brought to the auction house by a family who said it had belonged to a deceased uncle. A specialist was was photographing the cabinet for sale when the lemon was discovered in the back drawer. The fruit was inscribed with a message given by MPLU Francini, November 4th, 1739 to Miss E. Baxter. The auction house decided to attempt to sell the aged lemon and the official... Uh, were shocked when it fetched a high bid of $1,780. The cabinet, meanwhile, sold for eight for $40. What people value. Rather interesting. The question is, you know, if you're not happy with it or it breaks, is it covered by the Lemon Law? Good question. Will we'll, Costco we'll, take it back? You know, that's the thing. They certainly will. <laughs> they probably would. <laughs> if it came from Costco... Well, I don't think we were around in this in that era, but well, I mean, you brought it back here; it's got to be good. There's nothing in the return policy that says it has to be in this century. No, there is nothing in the century. So there you go. All right. Well, we have all weekend to ponder that too. All weekend. Hey, if you're listening in Seattle, I hope you have a great weekend and will join us here again on on Monday. I want to thank Pedro Bartes for producing and engineering in Seattle. Have a great weekend here in Portland. We've got the Christian Outlook coming up next, so stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.